Hello, everybody. This is Two Guys Five Movies. This is one of your co-hosts, Chris Gasparri. This is Frank Pelican. This is episode 88, and six days away from Halloween, we are doing the first ever Fresh Five that is genre-specific, and we are going to be doing the Fresh Five horror movies. And if you are not aware, the concept of the Fresh Five is Frank ends up picking his top five movies that he's watched in the past, you know, X number of months. Um, so a lot of times we get more recent movies on the list, uh, which certainly we have some of those this time around. Um, but they could be from any time period. It's just the idea is he's watched them in the past, you know, three or four months usually. Um, so, uh, yeah, this is our last episode of October, um, last horror-specific episode um, of the year. Um, <clears throat> so, Frank, um, was there anything that came close to making this list but didn't? Uh, yeah, there's a few things. Um, first of all, good evening, I guess. Happy Happy Halloween. <clears throat> um, I really strongly considered putting uh, both Hashtag Alive and Cargo, um, which are two maybe not like wholly unique, but like kind of inventive takes on the zombie genre. Um, both with some really good performances in them. Um, Cargo has Martin Freeman uh, as the starring role in, um, I don't know any of the actors in Hashtag Alive, but it's um, more of like a more survival horror in the sense of like man versus the elements where like the zombies are just kind of an element rather than like a straight, like traditional zombie horror. Um, I thought those were both really good. Um, there's a movie that's more of like a, emotional horror um called border that's about a woman who's a troll that works at the border between like scandinavia and finland um it's more of like an examination of like what makes you a person <clears throat> like if like outwardly you appear to be different like what like defines humanity um some pretty uncomfortable stuff in it that, that was really good um that came close uh, there's a Jake Gyllenhaal movie from about four years ago called Enemy, which is kind of like a doppelganger slash psychological thriller. Um, to me, it wasn't horror enough, really. Like, there's some creepy elements to it, but it's less horror and more um, thriller, I would call it. Mm -hmm. Like, and then... Um, a uh, couple of movies that are a little older, uh, some one, one or two of which we've talked about on other, like, I don't know what we call them, like portmanteau episodes that we do sometimes. Um, we Are Still Here, which is one of my favorite ghost movies of the past, like, five or six years. Um, we Go On is another one that I think is a really just kind of well done and effective, like, small ghost movie. Um, and then what's sort of an anthology movie called ghost stories um, that also has Martin Freeman in it. That's about three years old. Um, and then there's a movie called in fabric, which I like some parts of, but it's also kind of silly. So I didn't really want to put that on there. Um, and then finally there was, there's a movie that's on Netflix called Svaha. I think is how you say it. Um, it's a Korean Buddhist horror movie maybe is the best way to put it um that i thought was pretty effective uh but it was a little too long and ultimately i thought like it it dragged the topic out a little too much but i still thought it was pretty good 
So yeah, so there's quite a few. There's a lot of those. Some of those you never even, I think, mentioned to me, or at least didn't recommend that I watch. Um, is that just because you think I wouldn't like them? I don't know. Maybe I just didn't think about it. Which okay. ones did I not recommend to you? Like five of them. Um, <laughs> like Enemy. Um, just quickly read through your list again. Uh, Enemy, Border. Uh, Border, I remember you mentioning to me, and then you never, but you didn't say I should like watch it or anything. Yeah, because like it's, 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 I didn't know that. I didn't love it enough where I would recommend it to you because you would have to pay for it, I think. Yeah, I got you. It's a, it's a free for Frank movie <laughs> right. somewhere. Um, hashtag Alive, Cargo. Uh, yeah, ca- Cargo, Cargo, my wife watched and I saw like the ending of it. I just never went back and actually watched the entire thing. But... I, I didn't recommend Svaha to you because we were texting one night when I was just starting to watch it. And I told you I'd let you know if I thought it was good enough to recommend, and then I forgot. But you might enjoy that. It's um the full title is Svaha the Six Finger or something like that. <clears throat> Which is a really bad title. But it's got some really cool um visual elements to it, like the way that it displays supernatural is uh pretty inventive. Mm-hmm. Um there also was a movie that I think you and I both thought was pretty great, but we're gonna do another episode. Kind of more of like a deep dive into it called a starfish mm-hmm. that came out a couple months, two months ago. Would you say maybe? Yeah, um, it wasn't that long ago. Yeah. Maybe a month and a half on Shutter. Um, that's really worth worth talking about. But we're gonna do a different. Yeah, we'll probably like yeah, that'll probably be like January or so at this point. Um, and there's some other small stuff that was good, but not like really recommend worthy. Like there's a bunch of Korean horror right now on Netflix that's not all that great like um some stuff that you didn't like a lot like uh shit like zero megahertz and um goadam and um there also was i can't remember what you maybe it was on netflix too uh, an italian horror called the binding um that i thought had some really good elements to it but again i thought it was a little too long and then i didn't like the plot so much after a certain point which one was the binding again i'm pretty sure i watched that one yeah, you did. It's the one where the dude um, goes to the house with his new wife and stepdaughter, where his mother lives, like, in Tuscany or something. Yes, and right. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. It feels like it's some kind of, like, ritualistic cult-type thing with the mother, right. but then it turns out that it's actually, like, yeah. a possession angle. Yeah. Got some good elements to it and some creepy stuff, but... Um, it has some good scenes to it, but I I thought it was pretty... Um, that, that, that's right. That was the movie that I accused you of any... One night when I was drinking out here, I, I accused you of um, any horror movie that is um, foreign you automatically think is better than an American movie. Like, uh, except that I didn't recommend this movie to you, so I don't know like where that. Where that yeah, well, me, oh no, sorry. This is this was a different movie. Now I'm thinking because this is a um, Spanish language um, movie that you recommended to me. Yeah, you got you got this one confused with another one I recommended. We started talking about. It. I was like, "That's not even the movie I recommended to you." Um, so I watched and that also, one too, though. There was some other stuff too that just should have been better. Like um, Daniel isn't real, which is on Shutter. Um, mm-hmm. That I thought might be better, but it just was disappointing and kind of mediocre. Um, Spiral, which I thought had a really great premise, but kind of fell apart. 
I get all of these movies so confused a lot of times just because the titles are so kind of bland. Did I watch yeah. Spiral? Yeah, you did. Spiral is the gay couple with the daughter. Yeah, right. The... Yeah, that that started out really good and then quickly became boring. Right. Well, it just didn't live up to any potential. That it yeah. Had. It kind of. Um, it felt like it always lived on the precipice of potential and never got there. Well, he lost the courage of his convictions and it wouldn't like just wouldn't go through with right. like actually being about anything. Mm-hmm. So in the end, it kind of felt weak and. And then I never got around to watching it, but Vampires... Um... Oh, Vampires versus the Bronx, I thought was yeah. pretty decent. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that came close to making the list, but I don't know how to explain it. It was it's Sometimes things try a little too hard, I guess. Mm-hmm. Maybe I don't necessarily... Like, I enjoyed it, and I got a good feel from it, and I think its heart was in the right place, but there's parts of it that are a little flat and parts where it feels like it tries too hard. And to me, that's like a pretty big cardinal sin is the sin of trying too hard. And then this week there was, and we should probably mention it just because it came out this week and it's recent, um, Cadaver um, yeah. came out this week. And um, what did you feel about that? I thought Cadaver was going to be like a glossy update version of something like um, Letters from Dead Men. Kind of mm-hmm. um, that post-apocalyptic like Easter right. block, um, and then ultimately just kind of was a movie that you've seen like a hundred times. Yeah, um, which to me was a uh, looked beautiful, had some really great performances, but just kind of unsatisfying in the end. So yeah, disappointing because and there's a couple more. So I really wanted to watch Rebecca, and I didn't have the chance to do that before this came out. And then there's um, No One Sleeps in the Woods tonight and another one about a priest, but I can't remember what it's called, that both come out on Halloween or the day before Halloween, which feels like a waste. Like, why not give you the whole month to watch these movies? But there's some other stuff, too, some A24 movies that haven't come out domestically that aren't available, Right. Um, like The Green Knight and uh, St. Maud, both of which I'm kind of disappointed I couldn't. See before this episode, um, there's a horror movie that was supposed to release back in February and it got pushed back to April, and now it's like pushed back indefinitely called Antlers. Um, which the trailer for that movie is amazing, it looks like super intense and creepy. But as far as I know, unless it's changed in the past couple of weeks, there's no firm release for that. Um, I actually almost watched Antebellum and uh. Um, the turning for this potential of this list, mm-hmm. but they were so poorly reviewed, both like professional. Yeah. Well, I know that, and then Blind Manor kind of made the turning um, irrelevant in my mind. Right, I didn't feel like I needed to watch another mm-hmm. adaptation I of Turn of the Screw. I think it's on the pay version of Peacock now, but it was up for months. Um, for like twenty dollars, you watched that Kevin Bacon movie, right? Um, no, I I didn't watch it. Oh, okay. It was one of those things where I put it on my list and I came close to watching it, but I just, I, like, the premise never grabbed me enough where I made me want to say, like, I have to watch this movie. Yeah. Um, it's not reviewed very well either. I mean. No. We also, we we both liked that uh, Beach House. Was that the name of it? Yeah. I really liked that movie. The, I mean, I, I, I didn't love it, but yeah, yeah, I, I really liked it a lot. Good. 
yeah. Post-apocalyptic, almost like cosmic horror. Yeah, that was like the one um, that I got on you and was like, like you're you're always telling me like what I should watch in terms of horror. Yeah, like one that I. I mean, I thought I thought it played with expectations in a really inventive way up to the end. I just felt like it couldn't stick the landing. Like I think that's the problem with a lot of horror movies is they just like they're so good to a point and then they just can't finish in a strong way. So, and I kind of felt that way about Beach House. Like I wish it would have just been a little more exposition at the end would have made it a stronger movie, I think. Right. But really good uh, special effects. Enjoyable, you know. Yep. Um, so yeah, I'm trying to think if there's anything else that feels it feels like there was one or two other things that like we both watched that but I can't remember what they are now. There's uh, a movie. You, 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 that, like, you like that, that, that Mexican movie, though. What was that called again? Um, that Mexican movie. It was a, it was a, it was a Mexican paranormal, um, like, ghost movie. Oh, Tigers Tigers Aren't Afraid? No, I don't think that's it. Oh, well, that was good. I liked that. Okay. That's a shutter. This, this, this is the one that, like, you... Where you told me I should watch it, and you asked me what I thought, and I was like, eh. and then I was like, I accuse you of, of, I don't of, these, of these movies being like exactly the same as American movies, except for you think they're better because it's foreign. Um, and you said, I really have no idea what you're talking about. Uh, it's a newer movie, it is, or I mean, at least it's just like come up like recently. You sure, it's um, Mexican, pretty sure. It's Spanish language. I know that. Um, was it La Llorona? No. Yeah, because I didn't really care for that one too much. So can I not look past, like... <sighs> was it on Netflix? No, it was on... Uh, maybe, actually. Maybe that's what it was on. I'm looking at Shutter and I'm not seeing it. But um, I also can't go back for anything newly added on Shutter beyond, like, the past, like, seven movies, because that app has like these very specific issues that are just kind of like frustrating um, i really have no idea what this is. yeah if i can find it i'll let you know but um what did, what did i watch and tell you not to watch um uh, oh i like the cleansing hour i know you didn't watch that because it's i don't think that's really your thing necessarily because you don't really do a um, lot of, you don't really do a lot of like uh demon like possession type stuff do you i don't mind them if they're good yeah yeah i thought the cleansing hour was good um and then um i watched the mortuary collection that's on shutter and i hated it um clancy brown was like the best part of it because he's like kind of the thing that kind of like links the different anthology stories together but other than that the anthology stories were really lame uh I'm looking through Mexican horror movies. I don't see anything that I haven't seen or that's not like, you know. Yeah, I'll look it up. Old. Figure it out. Um, but, um, yeah, so, I mean, I, I get them all confused because I feel like I've just been doing nothing but watching horror movies for, like, seven months. So, um, I get them confused real easy now. Especially with the pronouns. God, there's so many pronouns. I was complaining about this the other night in horror movies. Like, you, we, it, 
like just constantly. They, them. they, yes, they they remain right the other night. Uh-huh. Um, they remain. We go on. Yeah, yeah. We are still here. We are what we are. <laughs> right, right. Here comes the devil. Right. I never told you to watch that one. What's that? Uh, Spanish language language. Uh, it might actually be Mexican. Um, it's about five or five years old, maybe. Okay. Um, possess, possessed kids. Possessed kids. It's okay. Okay. It's on Netflix, I think. Did you watch the original "We Are What We Are"? Or did you watch the American version of it? The original, the Barbara Crampton movie. No, no, no. The one with the cannibals. The oh, the cannibals. Oh, it was the... Um... Oh, I didn't know there was an original one. I just watched whatever was on Netflix. Yeah, Jorge uh, Michel Grau, um, okay. who's the... Uh, he directed... Um, the Living Dead at the Manchester Morgue, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, you would have let Sleeping Corpses Lie, I suppose, is what it's called. Um. Anyway, he directed it. It's 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 good. All right, so let's go ahead and then I'll see if I can find it, figure out what this movie was. Um, this is months ago now, and I don't think we ever talked about it on the podcast. But I just saw it past it. A girl on the third third floor is fucking awful. Oh yeah, that's terrible. Such movie. A, such a bad movie. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, just because I was like scrolling past the solid here. God, I wish I could remember what that movie was. Um, <clears throat> all right, so let's go ahead and just jump into your list because these are, um, there's a lot of interesting movies on here to talk about. So um, the first movie on your list, number five, is 2017's The Endless is directed, written, and starring Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead. It has a 92% from critics on Rotten Tomatoes and a 67% from audiences. You want to tell us a little bit about this movie and why you put it on the list and why it's in the number five spot exactly. As opposed to being higher? No, just you you usually have a very specific thing in mind and maybe that's not the case this time, but usually you have a very specific reason for putting something Um, in the spot. So full disclosure, I didn't particularly feel like any of these movies necessarily were significantly better or worse than any of the other ones does that make sense mm-hmm. so i just kind of went down the list in the order that i had them originally okay. and just put them on um, i figure that we're going to talk about them regardless and you know um give some like ample time to each one so this isn't the number five movie because it's the worst on the list or it's like nostalgia pick or whatever. It literally was just the first one when I was deciding what to put on the list that I typed into a text to you to put on there. So, gotcha. Um, starts out in what you think is like a, I don't know what you would call it, like cult movie. Mm-hmm. Like people that have escaped from a cult um, with these two brothers who are living. Uh, in essence, like a pretty mean existence after escaping from a um, doomsday cult. Um, the one brother who's much more, I don't know, like nostalgic for his time with this cult, um, whereas the second one, the older brother, feels like um, 
basically like they escaped by leaving this cult. Um, because the younger brother is so unhappy, they make the decision to go back and visit, um, where the younger brother is like immediately accepted and you know finds that he's like feels better and feels welcome there. Um, ultimately, it turns out that there is a temporal or maybe cosmic anomaly that's happening um, where the world is repeating itself and people get stuck and no one can escape and there's some entity in the sky kind of that's like feeding off of these people's I don't know what you would say like fear or emotion or whatever trauma um, it's a pretty interesting premise um, for being a low budget movie. It's, I think, pretty brilliantly filmed in that respect. Like you never feel, um, especially the way that it plays with uh, slight variations on the same things happening over and over, or the way it plays on giving you as the viewer a broader perspective than maybe the the characters have where you can kind of see things like outside the scope of like um like the character's vision that gives it like a creepy edge does that make sense i guess i mean you've seen the movie so yeah that makes sense. um i think it's got really good performances in it um mm-hmm. i think it has a pretty satisfying ending um i like the fact that these guys are just sort of indie, you know, DIY filmmakers who kind of use the same people and um, some of the same themes and just are just seem like really excited and interested in making movies. And I don't know, I just had a really good time watching it. Yeah, it's, it's certainly unique, um, like in terms of like the the way, that not only the story itself, I think, like in terms of what it turns into, um, because like you said, it starts out as this kind of thing where you think it's going to be just like your kind of standard cult movie. They go back, you know, there's going to be the suspicion of the cult. The cult's like, you know, evil or there's somebody in the cult's being evil. That's not what it turns into. And then it turns into this kind of like sci-fi conceptual horror in some ways, like about the time loops. And then, um, yeah, I thought it was really interesting. And then I think the thing that even made it more interesting to me, and I thought it was like unique in the way that it, led you to that point and like finding all that out so i thought it was a good mystery kind of um along with that and enough and, um, of a mystery where it doesn't give you all the answers or it doesn't it doesn't show you its whole hand by the end of that movie. like right. there's still sure. enough um enough whatever like vague abstract possible threads that are coming off of like the resolution it gives you that you can interpret I think a couple different ways <laughs> including the point that the brothers have never actually that this has happened a number of times and they've never actually escaped from this that they're stuck in the same loop they just right. don't realize it right um yeah I mean it's it's and, and, sp- and speaking of resolution um the thing that really interested me about this when I started reading about the endless is finding out that there was a movie like five years prior to, to that, which is um, called Resolution, um, that was in 2012, that follows two of the characters that are in The Endless in a subplot um, where a, a friend and his, um, who's trying to like stop his, uh, 
<clears throat> basically get his threatened to go through withdrawal and stop him from like using like drugs and stuff like that that you end up seeing in the endless but they're actually the main characters in this resolution movie and that's where you first see the time loop stuff so <clears throat> it's interesting that these indie filmmakers are just kind of wholly focused on this little universe they're creating um and um and i thought resolution was good as well even though it's a it's still in the same universe, but it's a different story than they're telling in The Endless. Um, so they actually can, even though they're using the same universe, it's actually they're doing really creative stuff inside the stories that they're telling um, about those characters. So um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited to see. And I think they're working on another one now, if I remember correctly, um, that I think is also supposed to take place maybe in that universe. So yeah, yeah it's pretty. Yeah, I think it was. Um, Yeah, all the I, criticism I read on it was pretty positive. I didn't read it. I don't know if you read anything that was negative. Yeah, um, Chicago Reader, because I don't think Chicago Reader gives positive reviews. But um, but even that had like positive things to say about it. The the thing that they thought is they thought the sci-fi element in the second half like deflated the interpersonal tension um, that goes on. Um, and I mean, I guess I can see that critique is like that becomes less important than the sci-fi elements of it but um i don't know i think when you realize you're caught in a time loop some of that shit fades away anyway <laughs> like I, I i i can't imagine like interpersonal conflict becomes important when you realize you're um you know i guess it all depends on how terrible you think the alternative to that is yeah okay yeah I, I don't i don't really have anything else to say about this movie myself it sounds like you don't either but um no yeah maybe that maybe that's why it's on number five on the list um <laughs> you, you, have, said enough? you have the least to say, least to say about it um but yeah i just thought it was a solid movie overall yeah um so number four on your list, you cheated um, for the first time ever, and you've put two Indonesian horror movies um, together that you're going to talk about. The first is May the Devil Take You from 2018. Um, it is directed by Timo Ajiwanto, and it stars Chelsea Islan, Pavita Pierce and Samu Raphael has a 77% from critics and a 57% from audiences. And then there's also 2019's Impedagore. Uh, it is directed by Joko Anwar, stars Tara Basso, Marissa Anita, um, uh, Rio Bayou, Christine Hockham, and Osmara Abigail. It has a 95% from critics and it is no audience score available yet. Um, because it just came up for streaming recently. <clears throat> so uh, I guess you want to go and figure out, you can start with whatever one you want to talk about here. I kind of want to talk first about why they're grouped together on okay. this list. Um, because while there's some small similarities, I think that they're mostly different movies entirely, like different tone, different tonally, different plot-wise. Um, I had never seen any Indonesian horror movies before I saw Impedagore mm -hmm. um, and was kind of fascinated by just how different, like, the culture and 
I guess maybe the the societal idea of like what is scary, maybe. Mm-hmm. Even though there's some similarities, like it's just a different thing. Yeah. Um, and then when I saw "Made the Devil Take You," um, I felt kind of the same way about it. So I wanted to talk about both of them, um, just because I kind of want to be able to recommend them both um, without having to pick up two separate spots on the list. So I guess it is kind of cheating, but whatever. Um, you can send the can two guys five movies, police after me or something. Um, uh, in is uh, about a woman who goes back to her childhood home. Um, she doesn't really remember much about her childhood, so her and a friend go back um, and find out that her father was incredibly wealthy and owned like this big house with servants. Um, but basically, like the town is where she lived is cursed. Where um, what is it like? All the kids are born skinless, right? That's the curse. Mm-hmm. Um, and they feel like um, sacrificing her is the thing that can kind of rid them of this curse. Um, May the devil take you is basically like exactly. Sort of like what it sounds like. It's a deal with the devil movie. Um, this man, um, in order to gain wealth, uh, made a deal with the devil um, that he would gain, well, the devil through like a medium. Um, this witch, I don't know what you call her, like shaman woman, shamaness, um, left his daughter and his first wife who. The daughter kind of thinks killed herself, but it really turns out was like killed by this demon um, to form a new family with this former actress, I suppose, and like as like a whole other group of kids. Um, but as his life comes to the end, the demon comes to take its um, collect its due, and that's really the gist of the movie. Is this group of people um, pretty like well rounded? I think maybe not overly complex, but also not like paper thin characters um, trying to find a way to get out of this deal with the devil. Um, Both movies, I think have some pretty, um, pretty interesting visual components to them. Um, One of my favorite things in the specifically is a scene that's um, told from the perspective of a puppeteer kind of, or like a puppeteer doing a puppet show on these, um, what would you call it? Like almost like rear projection screens where it's like the light of like the fire is like casting the shadows of these paper puppets in like relief on the screen, um, which I thought was really beautiful and really well done. Um, and I, I I think I texted you when I watched Made the Devil Take You that if that movie had come out in like 2001, that it would have been mind blowing. Like it would have been... Mm-hmm. Um, like a game-changing movie but as it is like it's just a really good example of exactly like beat for beat how to do that type of movie right like the cursed slash possessed slash haunted by something from you know whatever like beyond the supernatural pale um but both movies are really good again like i think that it's kind of an underrepresented area in terms of like western society where we don't really see um i didn't really know anything about indonesia so it caused me to like read about indonesia Mm -hmm. and i thought it was really interesting and 
I think it's a really cool juxtaposition of like absolute modern modern entity, modern modern however you say that um, of like cities, like these urban landscapes, you know, and then juxtaposed with these completely <clears throat> almost um, like middle ages, like villages that are just like huts in the middle of the jungle um so yeah i mean i think they're both worth watching i think they're both interesting may the devil take you actually as a sequel coming out this year yeah um, I saw that. and i think i i think out of the two like start to finish that was the stronger movie um i think impedagore has some like kind of weaker elements to it but i still think that um it's a pretty compelling movie and it's, it's pretty interesting. So, yeah, I would recommend both of them to anyone that's kind of a fan of like that doesn't mind sitting through subtitled horror, but is a fan of like that early 2000s, late 90s, like J horror, because it kind of is evocative of that um, that feeling. Yeah, I, I really like the De May the Devil Take You a lot. Um, I thought that was really well done and really effective. Um, I actually watched a little bit of an interview with that Timo Jayanto, and um, he's really well spoken in horror, and seems to like have like a really, um, uh, really strong knowledge of different countries' movies, like in terms of horror and stuff like that. So, um, I'm I'm really interested to see what he can do again. Um, like you said, I mean, it's not that it's necessarily an original idea or even necessarily originally a film, but it's extremely effective, I think, in how like in just the competency of it and um, going beyond competency at times and like some really like inventive um, shots. I think, like in terms of like how he shows things. We talked about this movie um, offline yesterday maybe or maybe friday night um which i think this is like a better example of how to do this in um drag me to hell mm -hmm. um where tonally there's some similarities to the two of them right. especially like the inevitability of being cursed kind of sure but whereas drag me to hell plays it for laughs yeah in large portions of the film like this movie is pretty brutal in the way that it mm -hmm. treats its characters and really unforgiving in the terms of like, you know, the devil getting his due sort of. Um, sure. Yeah. Like I, I think it's really worth watching and free on Netflix, I guess. Right. Yes. Um, yeah. They, they seem to have a deal with him. Um, Cause he has another movie that's like a gangster movie that's free on Netflix mm. or is coming out free on Netflix. I can't remember, but um, it's, it was on a list that I read of like upcoming films from like a few weeks ago. Mm -hmm. So it might be out now. Yeah, um, and Pedagore I thought was interesting. I I think the movie starts out like um way too slow, like in the first like ten minutes. Um, I don't think it has a very effective hook. Like and then it picks up. Oh, really? You don't think I, yeah. I actually thought that that was um yeah. I thought that was super creepy, like the first ten minutes of Impedigore. Well, the first six, the first six out of those ten minutes is just two people talking at it like a toll. Like, I mean, it, it it's it's just a very slow paced and not really grabbing hook to that movie. Yeah, except that like the guy like pulling up and then turning around and coming at her, I thought was um was really well done. I don't know. 
Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I after the hook, I was more invested in it for the first like forty minutes, and then it's like that kind of like midpoint where it changes. And this is actually like something that um one of the reviewers said. I think it was the guy that writes for Roger Ebert dot com said something similar. But um, it's around the midpoint, like where I feel like I start losing interest in it. Like I was really intrigued of like what was going on when they go back to the village and right. all that kind of stuff. And then it's like once I found out more what was going on, I was like. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I mean, it's fine. It's fine. Like, I like it. Like, it's not bad. It's just that, like, I, I don't think it's my story. Like, the kind of story I understand I like. that. I mean, 100% this movie's in there just because, like I said, I think it's an under represented, like a lesser known area for film to come from. And I think that it's kind yeah. of like, I, see this stuff. Yeah. And I agree but with I you. Completely that, agree. Yeah, to to mimic like what you were saying, it's like I ended up doing the same thing. Is like while I was watching "May the Devil Take You," like I like kind of had like Google up, like reading about like Indonesia, um, you know, like because I don't know much about. Yeah, that. like I had no idea it's such a large Muslim population, and like there's right. all kinds of stuff that I found to be um, like I was reading about the actresses that were in it because that's mm-hmm. you know, like I don't know anything about like you know stars from a lot of countries but especially yeah like, i didn't know anybody who was in these movies man when i was watching the interviews with um i, I watched a little bit of interviews with both um uh Giyanto and um anwar and um i was actually fascinated like more like fucking like you know just me being you know ignorant um i was fascinated by how well they spoke english um i, I was not anticipating like the uh the fluency to be that good um and uh like i said extremely you know well-spoken and knowledgeable both of them about like the horror genre and stuff like that so um so that was another like shocking thing but i also didn't know a lot about politics in indonesia either and like you know or like the social movements there and like how all that's playing out like yeah it's fascinating to like read about the country and kind of see because again i was like had this like stupid assumption like when i think i texted you pretty early and made the devil take you about the house and the way it looked and it was like oh that's not what i it's not what i imagined indonesia looking like yeah um so no it was uh, from just the general knowledge and like you know standpoint about like that is is really good um it's nice to see a different culture um on screen stuff like that so i agree with you there um anything else on this no i think that's it okay um so going into more of a comedy horror route number three on your list is um you also kind of slightly doubled up here um and it's 2017th the babysitter directed by mcgee uh movie stars samara weaving judah lewis bella thorne emily allen lind Ken Marino, Leslie Bibb, Robbie Amell, and Hannah Mae Lee. Um, and then you also included the sequel that just came out recently, The Babysitter Killer Queen from 2020. Um, pretty much the same exact cast, same director. It also stars Jenny Ortega. The first movie has a 72% from critics and a 61% from audiences. The second movie has a 48% from critics and a 63% from audiences. Do um, you want to tell us a little bit about these two movies and what you like about them so much? I'm interested that it's, they're so negatively reviewed, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know. 
that's uh, that's surprising to me. Um, the premise of the first movie is that uh, um, what's his name, Judah, whatever, Judah Lewis, mm-hmm. um, is this kind of semi. I wouldn't say autistic, but socially awkward kid right. um, who gets picked on at school because he's different, and his only real friend is his much older babysitter, played by Samara Weaving, B is her name. Um, one night while she's babysitting him, um, she tries to get him to, she tries to drug him basically to fall asleep, and he doesn't get drugged, and so he witnessed her and a group of her friends committing um, basically a satanic sacrifice of the like nerdy guy. Um, and then they realize that he's awake. Uh, he gets chased around. He ends up killing like all of them pretty much in um, both intentional and unintentional ways. Um, and then Killer Queen is the sequel where um, the majority of them have returned. Uh, because they've made this deal with the devil like they can't die necessarily. Um, and it turns out that one of his friends, um, his his like love interest from the first movie, is also like a member of this cult, and they're all trying to get his blood um, in order to perform this satanic ritual. Um, to your point, like it's it's pretty much a horror comedy. Um, I think it's got some both movies have some good set pieces. In terms of like the inventiveness of the deaths, um, particularly um, the girl underneath the house, uh, I think that Robbie Robbie Amell, um, who's Stephen Amell's brother, is that right? I believe so. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, is fantastic in it. Is like yes, he's a stand-up. jock who's also uh, like just a really nice guy that kind of wants to help um, the kid. Right like, sort of overcome his, like, uncomfortableness, but at the same time, he's, like, definitely trying to murder him. Right. Um, I don't know. I think they all have a good sense of humor about themselves. I think they... Um, I really like the principal characters in most of them. Um, not much of a fan of comedy horror generally as a rule, but it really works for me here for some reason. Like, I find him to have a certain charm. And I think a lot of that just comes from the fact that Mick G is so slick in his production that they feel a hundred percent like real movies, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like you don't feel like you're watching some low budget, like indie thing. Oh, that's another one that we only like that. I kind of thought about talking about and that. Um, we summon the darkness um, and a similar movie in this movie called a uh, satanic panic. Um, both of which had some really good stuff in them, but like, especially satanic panic, I thought it was just too, too self-deprecating if that makes sense mm-hmm. and the babysitter movies both of them they don't they're tongue-in-cheek but they just embrace like what they are and i like that like, i like i don't know like april fool's day mm-hmm. um return of the living dead or something you know a movie that doesn't take itself 100 percent seriously but still is fully invested in what it is and i thought they were really enjoyable i think that sometimes you know, like personally, I skipped the babysitter for shit a year before I watched it, just because in my brain it was like, well, there's not going to be anything, you know, like it's just going to be, there's no point in watching this movie. Like it's just fluff. Um, and it is, but it's fun fluff. 
So, did um by any chance? I I'm, I'm pretty sure he didn't. I I don't think he was there. Did Frankie watch these? No, uh, I watched um, them on Saturday. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, I didn't think he was there that Saturday. Uh, I was just wondering if there was a generational component to this, um, because I think one of the reasons I liked, especially the babysitter so much, um, I like the sequel as well, but to a lesser degree. Um, but the first one I liked so much is because it reminded me of something from the 80s. Right. Um, I'm sure, I'm assuming much like McGee, McGee probably, like was making something that he would have liked to have seen in the 80s. Um, it's both tongue in cheek about the 80s and also kind of an homage to the 80s um to me like it's something you would have seen at that point but it's also kind of making fun of the kind of stereotypes that are found in movies from that time period um and yeah i thought it was really enjoyable like you said the ml character like the jock i i thought was a big standout i like weaving as the the babysitter um i really like judah lewis um as the um kind of put upon like uh right um you know kid and um it, you were wondering about why these aren't reviewed very well so and i can tell you like kind of reading through the reviews so horror people um some of them tend to um like there's a guy here jacob knight from the website birth movies death um that um says it feels like it's uh, McGee's making a horror movie um, but doesn't necessarily like horror movies um, and is taking an odd opportunity to laugh at the genre. So there's some horror fans that feel that it's like too, too mocking or comedic. And then there are people that you can imagine that, um, you know, more kind of casual reviewers, like, you know, like just movie watchers that aren't particularly fans of horror that think it's just stupid and silly and there's no point to it like whatsoever and all that kind of stuff. So I, I think that there's horror fans that dislike this movie for that reason. And I wonder if it's, gen that's why I was wondering if it was a generational thing to some degree. I mean, but <laughs> Slaughter High, Student Bodies, um, even shit like Teen Wolf, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's all in the same yeah, right, but I'm wondering if the, if these reviewers remember we're getting old, Frank. I mean, if these right. reviewers are now like you know coming straight out of college, you know, or in between 25 and 30, and might not have experienced that kind of stuff. I, I can see. I find that like younger people that I talk to have, while it's like oddly connected, they have just as much pop culture knowledge. You know, like they understand the origins of their things, kind of that they watch. See, I'm around I don't know. Bunch of them all the time, and I I don't see that at all. I mean, even like people on Instagram and whatever um, Reddit that I follow, like those are young people. A lot of them, like people that are really into, like the watch not young, young, but you know, like late twenties, early thirties. I don't know. Like they're the younger siblings of like people like me that were showing. Yeah. You know, like I showed Tony horror movies when he was like seven or eight, right. uh, much to his dismay. But still, like it would have been stuff that I would have shown like similar. I don't yeah. know. I just I I thought they were really fun. Um, yeah, they reminded me. They reminded me, in the same way that I love Scott Pilgrim for being like a, like a self aware tongue in cheek ode to superhero movies. To me, it's the same thing in 
um, you know, in relation to horror movies. And I, I mean, I don't want every movie to be like that, but I think that once in a while, it can be fun and it can be effective. Agreed. Now, like the, um, happy, happy death day to you or whatever. Or whatever those movies are called. The ones about the girl that keeps dying over and over. Like, it's the same thing, you know? And those movies aren't, like, classics of horror, but they're fun movies. So, uh, people just need to lighten up a little bit sometimes. <laughs> you say in the grumpiest way possible. <laughs> um, eh. I... Now, if I'm being critical of this, I, I the, the thing that I really disliked about the second movie was the beginning of it in the sense of it actually like, I mean, it's it's a little ballsy and like I can appreciate that. But it's like for some reason, like I was really upset when they made the um, the girl next door like that. He like kind of was like was falling in love with like in the first movie, like the villain of it. Um, right. I, and like it kind of like like took me out of it. But then once all those characters came back, even though I watched these a day apart from one another, it was almost like being able to see these old friends. Like you, you, I think you become invested in those, the killers, um, you know, like, but it's like, it's almost like seeing old friends again. Um, when those, when they come back and you stop caring as much about that. Um, and plus I thought the payoff was good. So it didn't bother me. Um, but then that movie, the payoff was, was good in terms of the story they tell. So, I agree. Um, I I thought the humor was a little lacking in the second one too. Like it was a little forced. Like um, I'm I'm a I'm a big fan of Ken Marino, um, who plays the father in the movie. Um, He was on Veronica Mars, like as the PI. He was in um, Party Down. Like he's been in tons of stuff through the years. I think he's a really good comedic, um, you know, uh, you know, BC level actor and. uh but yeah like some of the stuff with like him like whatever smoking pot and everything was just you know not very funny and silly and some of the dialogue was a little cringy um in the second one like it was trying too hard but um still like the core story of like uh the the main character i thought worked really well and um yeah they were fun movies i mean they're just enjoyable like um i don't really i can't really like say that they were like you know amazing mind-blowing things but i had a really fun time watching them read yep all right so number two on your list is 2017's pie wacket directed by adam mcdonald and it stars nicole munez and Lori holden it has an 82 percent from critics and a 54 percent from audiences um you want to tell us a little bit about the movie and what you like about it so much oh man these audiences are letting me down i'm telling you <laughs> um it's a uh, like in a similar vein to a lot of like the A24 stuff, like the Black Coat's Daughter. It's a movie about demons that doesn't necessarily confirm to you there's demons for much of the movie. Um, young girl whose father was killed, um, kind of rebelling against her mother, um, who's suffering through depression. Um, gets in a blow-up fight with her mom because her mom makes her, like, leave her friends at her school, and she feels like her mom's being unreasonable, so because she's kind of gotten into the occult, she performs this ritual um, that, to her, it's just 
whatever to make herself feel better but then you as the viewer and her as the character you start to see that maybe she actually succeeded um there's like things on like the side of the screen side of your eye like nothing that's really like explicitly shown for a long portion of the movie but that implies that she's actually summoned some sort of demon um the titular Piwacket, um who was the familiar of um a witch that one of the original witch finder generals like uh what would you call that executed i guess i don't know mm-hmm. um in the end uh it kind of drives her crazy um like the idea that this thing is like haunting her and tormenting her and is eventually going to come and get its like recompense for her summoning it um so she believes that the creature is impersonating her mother because of an incident earlier in the woods where she saw like a doppelganger of her mother basically that she didn't realize was a doppelganger um and ends up burning her mother alive and at the end you kind of get the it's sort of left open that you know she's in jail but she's still kind of haunted by this thing mm-hmm. really well filmed uh, i thought the performance but i'm always impressed when like young actors give um you know, fully formed, like well-rounded performances. And I think the Munoz does a good job here of doing that. Um, I like the premise. Like, I like that idea that something may or may not be happening and like the psychological trauma of the people involved that are kind of causing them to see things that aren't there, but then maybe there are things there. Um, and in this case, you know, I think by about three quarters of the way through the movie, like you as a viewer know that there's definitely something there. Um, but I think it does a good job of kind of playing it close to the best up until that point. Um, yeah, I, I just I thought it was a really uh, well done small movie. Um, I was really surprised when I watched it that there wasn't like a good resolution that the mother basically murdered by the daughter. Yeah. Um, and it was only just really like despite her own personal trauma, was just trying to be a good mom in general. <clears throat> um, so it's pretty sad in that respect. But yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I'm, I'm surprised that it's not as, that it's not well-received. Um, so, well, critically, I mean, it's well-received, 82%. I mean... Um, yeah, that's true. But um, uh, so the, the problem that audiences have with it is uh, they hate the ending of it a lot of them um in terms of like that twist about her really killing your mother or whatever um and then the a lot of people just thought it was too slow paced and led to it being really boring a lot of the time and without any kind of scares to it um until the last 20 minutes or so i mean i'd say it's hard to judge oh sorry tired in here um it's hard to judge sometimes because i don't know that i necessarily find a whole lot scary but i think from the point where she does the summoning like from that point on it does a good job of subtly like infusing every scene with some element of uncertainty and like creepiness that escalates and i mean i don't know if you want to watch something that's like quote-unquote scary from the beginning you got to go watch like just a slasher because that's what they're there for 
Sure. Like otherwise, there has to be something that builds up a reasonable belief in your the characters that you're watching and like builds that tension. Yeah, like I thought the the scene with her friend out in the um, woods was well done, and I thought that worked really well um, in terms of like a creep factor, and then the mystery of her reaction and all those kind of things. Like the next morning, like I thought all that stuff worked really well, so I didn't really quite get that. I mean, I guess I see what people are saying, but um, I, I don't know. I, I don't agree with it, I guess. Um, yeah, I thought it was a solid movie. Like, I actually, I probably thought, nah, that's probably May the Devil Take You. Um, I probably thought it was the second best movie in terms of just sitting down and watching it and enjoying oh, it. Oh, yeah, yeah, list. yeah. Like, yeah. you know, uh, I think I think May the Devil Take You is my favorite, but I watch out of the five of them, but um, or six or seven of them. Um, but yeah, I really liked Pie a lot. I really thought the girl was good, and I thought Lori Holden was really good as the mother. Yeah, um, like she she felt extremely realistic in terms, and I I really like the psychological, like you know, the trauma element of this movie a lot too, um, because I thought everything played out in a realistic manner. Like you know, the girls getting into with these friends that the mother doesn't understand, but the mother's only half paying attention. Um, you know, so you end up having this, you know conflict between the two of them um and then she like wants to move her out of town and but yeah it's like a mother that's really is trying but she's dealing with her own trauma which is causing her to lash out at her daughter at times of course the in the one moment where like she really lashes out with her is a, is a terrible scene to watch but that oh, direct, sure. and it directly leads into her like you know summoning this thing um you know because of that like hurt um, so yeah, I thought it was like really done psychologically, like in terms of being logical, like how these characters would react. I thought it was very realistic, um, like just a real, very like realistic relationship in a lot of ways. So mm -hmm. I mean, I, I thought all that stuff was compelling enough that even if sometimes the scares or creeps were a little slow, um, I was wondering where it was going. And um, I think the ending's horrific, man. Like I mean, I don't understand people like not liking that ending. That's terrifying. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> like the twist of that is terrifying. Like, because I and I knew it. Like, I look, I it didn't shock me. It wasn't surprising. Like, as soon as like she was going to go do that, I was like, oh fuck! Like, you know, right? Um, it's they, more that you're kind of hoping that it's not as inevitable as it feels like it is when you're watching. Right, right, right. Yeah, because I mean, they especially because they drop that really anvil kind of, early on like you know midway through like they drop that anvil on you is like be be careful what you're seeing like you're whatever and they mention it a couple of times and right especially because you 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 feel for the mother by that point like you like her sure sure um like she's made amends and she's really trying her best to be a good mom and do what's right and i don't know it's yeah. um and it's like anybody that's you know a kid of a parent which is like everybody in the world right like mm -hmm. at some point you've like wished something awful on your parents because you're immature and upset about something and it's like the idea that you know like that moment of anger could lead to like the legitimate death of your your parent is uh yeah it's um it is really well done i really like this movie a lot yeah um yeah so this um he also has a movie, oh, it's an anthology called Slasher. It's a TV series. Probably Canadian, I'm sure, because this guy's Canadian. Um, 
but yeah this guy's an actor primarily and ended up directing this so i think it's really impressive that like that's primarily what he is it's just he's just been an actor most of his life and um what's well, on he, netflix too isn't it slasher is it maybe i i feel like i watched the first season of slasher it yeah he directs an episode of it i guess solstice it's called yeah um Oh yeah, I, I watched the first um season. Okay, no, yeah, it is on Netflix now. The second and third season were Netflix produced. The first one was Chiller produced, but it's the third yeah. season of the show that just came out last year. He directed, I guess that. Well, maybe it gets better because I wasn't super impressed with the first season of it. But... Yeah, well, I'm assuming they're all different seasons. That's what the anthology aspect is. They're all the Munoz girl um is in a Nick Cage movie. Just FYI. Hmm. One of the ones that I never want to talk about. Gotcha. Because I hate it so much. Right. Maybe we'll talk about it this week. Just to just to wipe the slate clean of this movie. That's uh, poor Nicole. Um. But yeah, so I, I'd be interested to see like more of this guy. Like he's um, like I say, he's Canadian, and um, he's about your. I guess he's your age. Um. But yeah, it doesn't has a little bunch of shit shit to his credit, but uh, nothing that I really know that well. So, but yeah, I, I definitely was impressed by this, and uh, I'd like to see more from it. Yeah, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Uh, okay, so then uh, number one on your list is extremely recent. It's 2020. Um, it is a Russian movie, Sputnik. Uh, is directed by uh, Igor Ab- Abramenko, um, and it stars Oksana. Akinshina, Fedor Badarkuk, and Pyotr Fedorov. I cannot pronounce it. The Russian's oh my, my worst. God. Russian is my worst language, like in terms of pronouncing those names. I'm glad you con- did your best to struggle through it. There's too many consonants. There's too many consonants. It doesn't make any sense. Like, and then you like look it up because I look all this stuff up and tried my best. And it's like, I still can't understand how the consonants go together. Like, even through phonetically spelling it out, it makes no sense to me. You need, uh, um, you need horrible. I do, right? Yeah. Um, for this particular thing. Um, so, yeah, okay. So, Sputnik, um, you want to tell us a little bit about this movie and what it is that you like about it so much? Uh, so, to me, this is um, probably... I, I I think this is my favorite movie on the list, uh, which is kind of why it was at number one. Um, it's Alien, basically, but on Earth, um, or at least like a similar premise where there's an astronaut, um, and this is during the height of the Cold War, so this astronaut who's a national hero who's come back from space and has been infected with this being that lives inside him is like a symbiote almost um and is uh i don't know like a carnivore like a, it's killing like other people um this woman who's kind of a controversial psychologist psychiatrist psychologist is called in to help sort of deal with the situation and kind of forms a bond with this guy um and then it has the in addition to the horror aspect of you know the being living inside of this man is the more mundane horror of russian bureaucracy basically and like the fact that you're not allowed to badmouth the state and you can't really reveal anything 
Um, reminded me very much of uh, the way that they portrayed it in Chernobyl recently. Uh, mm-hmm. Was that last year or earlier this year? Whenever that came out, the Prime series. Five years ago? Who knows? I don't know. It feels like forever. <laughs> it but feels like I, I, I think it was last year. Yeah, it won an Emmy, so it was last year. Um, I love the look of this movie. I really, again, in the same way that I feel about watching the Indonesian movies, I think that... Um, even though we've gotten more of a chance to see him, I feel like there still is like a veil of secrecy over uh, the Soviet Union, the former Soviet Union. And I found it really interesting that this filmmaker was making a movie that's sort of set in that time. Um, Prior to getting on the air, we were talking about the Italians of like the late 60s and early 70s. Um, Just making a lot of movies that are about, you know, like almost like a collected like national guilt over um, Mussolini and like being aligned with the Nazis. And I feel like this is a similar tone in the Mm. sense like this is a mea culpa almost for the terribleness and secrecy of like Gulag era Russia, you know, where like the state was omnipotent and omnipresent and you couldn't say anything, you know, lest you basically in this case get murdered by like a skinwalker almost. Um, I love the look of the alien. I thought that there was some really good tension that was built up in it. Um, as much as I'm not a huge fan of sci-fi, this is the kind of sci-fi that I love, uh, which is to say that it's not really sci-fi at all. It's more horror. Um, but I thought they did a good job of kind of infusing some, and I don't know much about science, but language that felt kind of believable. Um, and I thought it built the tension well to the end. And I really liked the end of the movie, too. Um, the idea that this guy might not actually be, like, the hero that everyone thinks he is. He's just sort of, like, from a personal standpoint, he's presented that way because that's how the Russians need the world to view him. Because they can't admit that people have flaws, especially right. not, like, national heroes. But then from... Uh, you know, very literal sense, like he's infected with something that's absolutely deadly and he's okay with it, you know, so he's like a monster inside and out initially. And just the idea of like this woman kind of like taming that beast and sort of falling for him, like there's just, I don't know, a lot of really great stuff in it. Um, so yeah, so I really enjoyed this movie a lot. I enjoyed this second half more than I did the first half. Um, because this movie is like what, like an hour? It's just about two hours, I think. Yeah, yeah, two hours. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, and I, I felt like every time, like I like uh, checked to see how much time was left in this movie, it was always forty minutes. Um, <laughs> but um, I, I didn't, I did enjoy the uh, the second half a lot more. I thought it was really slow in the first half of the build-up to this, even though I really thought the performances was good. I thought that um, uh, Akachina is really good as the heroine of the movie, um, and I can't remember which one, who played who, but um, uh, the guy that played like the head military guy, I really liked a lot in this. Right. He um, he reminded me a lot of um, Donald Sutherland. And, uh, I can see that, yep. Citizen X? Uh-huh, yeah. Except from the opposite perspective of sure. a guy who 
isn't trying to use his power to help everyone. He's trying to use his power to increase his own power. Sure. Yeah. But so I really enjoyed the performances. I think it's filmed really well. A lot of horror movies I've been watching recently have been extremely dark. Um, like almost like too dark to see, like on the um on the screen at times. Like I thought Cadaver suffered from that at times. Like it just felt yes. extraordinarily I dark. Mean- and I thought this, this like, in terms of filming, like, I, I, I appreciate the idea that it's like, okay, I know it's dark out, but it's like, I can, at least I can still see what's happening on the fucking screen. And I really appreciated that it's like, I could see what was going on in this movie, even though so much of it took place in darkness. Um, and the only thing I didn't really care for was the almost romantic subplot like that developed like between him and her like i thought that that wasn't needed at all like to have that kind of emotional connection i thought there was an emotional connection that was established was established that didn't need to go to that tenderness point necessarily so didn't you feel almost i i thought that while like i thought she felt like she was doing what her mission was supposed to be Mm-hmm. which was to sort of protect this guy in a way and investigate this thing that was inside him. Right. I thought that the emotion, like the sort of like romantic flirtation was just her using his own ego against him. Yes, yes. Uh-huh. Like that it wasn't necessarily Agreed. that she felt that romantic attraction, that she understood that that's what he responds to is the idea that he's like, you know, before, before the, I don't know how much I want to say about it, before the escape, it feels like it's real suddenly, um, like out of nowhere almost. Where I felt the same way that it was just this kind of ploy, um, and then suddenly it feels very real. Um, well, it develops like an actual bond with the guy, yeah. And I don't know if it's romantic. It's it's so hard to tell, and it's one of the things that I like about like movies that are set in that Soviet era, like the Soviet bloc era mm-hmm. is that like that feeling of it, it's at some point when North Korea hopefully is not just this like closed state anymore. I almost feel like that's what we'll see out of filmmakers coming out of North Korea, like 10 years after, you know, right the dictatorship is gone is this idea of people just trying to show the weirdness of human interaction in a place where no emotion is allowed you know what i mean and like everything has to be at the whim of the state so i don't know i mean just real quick don't you think it's fascinating though it's like why wouldn't you as public relations if you're going to be a dictatorship like that it's like, think about like, you know, how controlled things were in the Soviet Union at one point and look at it now. Like you were talking about like these, like this being a mea culpa, which it is, but it's a mea culpa for something that, and look, we don't have a lot of room to talk right now in our country, but it's like, it's a mea culpa for something that's still going on. You know, like yeah. political opponents are still being fucking trying, they're trying to murder the motherfuckers and they have to be like, right. poison them. I poison mean, like, them, sure. yeah. So it's like, this is, but think about it from a strategic standpoint it's like by having movies like this that are released like you know that are these mad culpas of the past and stuff like that you're actually using as a marketing tool for your country to be like hey we're not like this anymore and then you just kill whoever you want to um 
why wouldn't you? Like, if how crazy must like the ills be to like not see how you couldn't make more money, still keep your power by giving a little bit more freedom to like you know, and still kind of be dictatorial about all of it. You know, I mean, it's it's crazy to me. I mean, it's funny. Like, I agree, but you and I are looking at that from the perspective of people that will never be in a position to wield that kind of power. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And I also think, I, I think in a lot of ways, like, even though this is 100% like a body horror slash alien infestation horror movie, mm-hmm. don't you think in a lot of ways it's also kind of a subtle examination of like the the use of steroids by like the Russian Olympic athletes and yeah, just yeah, the like, idea of like trying to think about that. these you know these people who are celebrated but really uh, like contain almost like monsters because of the fact that they're so pumped full of steroids right and then no one will admit that like there's a problem sure. to the point where they're willing to sacrifice you know him and her and everybody just to kind of like if they can't like harness it to their own benefit, you know, then that's all going to be destroyed. So, right. I think well, there's I do, a lot I, of subtle. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think you're right. I mean, yeah, I, I, I didn't think of that, but yeah. Um, but anyway, I do like the, I, I love the alien in this. Like I love the way it looks. I think it's creepy as shit. Like it's certainly something I don't want to see, which makes it effective. Um, like I, I don't want to watch that thing. Um, yeah you know, crawl the fuck around and shit. Like, um, so yeah, I, I think that was really good. Um, so, uh, I thought the special effects were good in it for the alien. Um, so there's a lot to like about this movie. I just thought it was slow in the beginning. Um, and it took me a while to really get invested in the story and the characters. Um, because I thought there might be too much of the psychological, like meeting stuff and everything. And, um, but yeah, eventually it kicked in and it was good. I think you could just make an hour 40 like and tell the same story overall. Yeah, I don't disagree. I just, I, I really enjoyed yeah. I could overlook that stuff because I don't mind the slowness. It's our um, our Wolf Creek argument. Like, right. that's been right. continuing for right. 16 consecutive years off and right. off. Right, sure. What are our big arguments? So there's, there's the Wolf Creek argument. There's the uh, uh, Chopin ar- argument, the Awakening argument, that is like a long-running argument. And then um, we have a couple other like long-running arguments. Yeah, this is this is a Wolf Creek argument. Yeah. Whether or not I like Big Trouble in Little China, <laughs> we'll be answering that question real soon. It's that I think. Um, <clears throat> oh shit! I thought of another movie. Anyway, okay. Do you have anything last thoughts on this, and then we'll take take five minutes uh, to talk no. here? Okay. I'm excited to hear what you got all excited about. I, no, I'm, it's going to be really disappointing because it's like I just thought of a movie that Chris loves and Frank is indifferent to the other day, and now I can't remember what it is. And but it was perfect. It was like the perfect movie. Um, yeah. It was like holy shit. Like yeah, like that's that's definitely one. What have we got so far? Inner space, spring, summer, winter, fall, spring. Right. I should write these down. Um, You're giving away this whole episode. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll ask you the uh, later ones. I know there's like some sort of action movie in there. 
Um, Dawn? No, 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 not, not Red Dawn. Red Heat. <laughs> I don't love Red Heat. Like, you, you think I love Red We should do that episode, like, where it's um, movies you think I love that I don't love. <laughs> I think Red Heat was a fun 80s action movie, and that does not mean it even makes a top 10, probably. Thank you, Cash. No, I hate Tango and Cash. Ah, uh, you love that movie. No, I do not. I we have ne- I have never said I like Tango and Cash ever. I sincerely like it. No, I have. Did you I, like Throw Mama from the Train? I do like Throw Mama from the Train. What's that? Something something in the Marlboro Man. I no, no, I did not like that. Harley Davidson, the Marlboro. Harley Man. Davidson, right? Thank you. Yeah. No, I did not like that movie. I feel like you like all those movies. I did like the Adventures of Ford Fairlane when I was young. Yeah. Um, which for some reason I equate to something like Harley Davis and the Marlboro Man. Oh no, it's 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 fine. They're very similar. Yeah. Um, totally and spiritually. <laughs> right. Okay. So um over the Tequila course of Sunrise. Nah, I wasn't a big fan of Tequila Sunrise. There's some eighties action movie though that you like um that you don't really care about that I love, but I can't remember this. We've talked Lethal about Weapon. That. Yeah, but you already did me that solid by putting that. Talking in the Snowman. I didn't watch that. Midnight Run. Um, I only like Midnight Run. I thought you liked Midnight Run. No. no. I mean, whatever. Okay. Somebody likes Midnight Run. Me, me, buddy. I mean, Charles, I don't need Charles, Charles Gordon. <laughs> He's the only one. Um, okay, so over the course of the next two months, uh, we have everything planned out for the rest of the year right now. Uh, well, mostly. Um, so we will be back uh, for the next three weeks uh, doing podcasts. We will be doing next week the top five eighty and big episodes too. Like all of these, like are fairly big episodes. Top five eighties action movies. Uh, we'll be covering next week. Uh, the week after that, we will be covering the top five comedies of the 1940s. Uh, the third week of November, we will um, have a screenwriter and actor, Jimmy Custis, on with us for a third man episode. Um, he has a uh, movie right now that is doing the festival circuit called Body Swap. Um, and consequently, we will be covering the topic of... Uh, the favorite body swap movie for Jimmy and Frank. Uh, And then we'll be taking a break the week of Thanksgiving, coming back at the end of November, where we will start what we did at the end of last year, which is covering the uh, kind of, uh, what is that called, Frank? Like, is it like decennial? Like, what what is the whole, what's the word for decade? Like, I um, think you said it. Is that it? Decade? No, there's there's an adjective, Frank. I'm trying to think of. Um, I think it's deca something. Decatennial. I don't. Deca. Deca. Deca something. Um, so deca something. Um, where we'll be talking about starting with the year 1970, and then we will be covering through December 1980, 1990, and 2000 in terms of Frank's top five movies. Um which I have not seen a lot of, so I'm pretty excited to be able to watch some of these movies that um, uh, Frank has chosen. Um, 
but yeah, the, the the next two lists are really good. Um, I'm mostly through most of them. Um, and it's decennial. Okay, I got it right then. Yeah, decennial. The second time I said it, like decennial. Yeah. Um, cool. I got it right. So, decennial episode. Yeah. The um. The the years lists are uh, really interesting and. I'm actually pretty excited because I think we're going to talk about some stuff that maybe a lot of people haven't seen. Yeah. So I'm hoping that there's a lot of um, good recommendations that come out of it and maybe people go and check those movies out. Yeah. All shit that I like really love. So, and yeah. The Body Swap is a movie that I think a lot of people aren't familiar with that I'm excited to talk about. So. Thanks. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then, I, and then um, we will be. Um, uh probably doing a special episode i'm assuming at the end of the year like we did last year um i'm not sure exactly what it's going to be yet we have a couple ideas i think um in our covid year yeah um how, how depressed frank is that like every single movie he wanted to see this year i mean the thing we were out. talking about the other night of possibly doing um actually fits in really well like of the horror of 2020 so um <laughs> can't go home again um yeah so maybe yeah, i i think that's probably what we'll end up doing but um we'll see don't want to make promises so yeah i think it's a really good lineup for the rest of the year um that we had overall um to continue a conversation and this will be the last thing i'll bring up to continue a conversation that we had um either on the main podcast or the quick cage we were talking at one point about casting the fantastic four do you remember this I think that was on the main podcast. So I had a thought because Brandy was watching um, Endgame today and it just popped into my mind, Reed Richards. And I think they're per- casting a person of color for Reed Richards, if I remember correctly, um, for these movies, uh, which, okay. But something suddenly just popped in my head. Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yeah, he'd be a really good Reed Richards. Yeah. Like you pull up a picture of Joseph Gordon Levitt 2020 and you put a little bit of white in that guy's hair, perfect. Like jaw, like everything's perfect about it. Um, uh, I also read today related to Marvel because Brandy's been watching all of them again in chronological order. Um, uh, somehow it popped in my feed. So a lot of it's just been popping up my feed recently because of that, I think. Um, I read that Yvonne Stravosky, um from Chuck Right, was originally in the running for Captain Marvel, and can you imagine? Even though she's not the greatest actress in the world, can you imagine how much better that character would be if she had played it? Because there would have been actual humanity to it. <laughs> right. I don't know how much I, I. Yeah, I I don't want to shit too openly on Brie Larson because I think some of it is just circumstance. And some of it is just that idea of, like, we have to knock this out of the park because it's the first, like, female superhero movie. Mm -hmm. And they just tried too hard to do that instead of just making a good movie. Um, But, yeah, there's some really bad stuff. Yeah, so I she was watching Endgame tonight, and I, you know, I watched it a few months ago when we were doing the podcast about Civil War, but... um. She was watching the night, and there's that scene during the big fight where Peter Parker has um, the gauntlet, 
and she kind of like comes down after destroying the ship and he's like oh hi i'm i'm peter parker and she like does this like you know like too wide of a smile and she's like hi peter parker like but it's very condescending even though it's supposed to be this kind of sweet like innocent thing but it's extremely condescending and i was sitting there after reading that today and picturing that actress um you know in that role and it was like it would have been like so like warm and like accepting and like you know like um like a a real true acknowledgement of like you know this kid being polite where this is just comes off as condescending with her and like it's just like i can see that i mean i think that you know the way that you present this character is that this is the ultimate power in the Marvel universe. Right. Like the one being that's like more powerful than anyone else. And she has almost like an alien predisposition because she's been off world for so long or whatever. And it's like, maybe Brie Larson just can't handle that. And maybe maybe there's something that, who knows maybe that's the overriding idea in her mind and that'll be something that's lessened over time i mean it's possible but um i don't know as acting choices i'm not listen i was real disappointed brie larson was on um oh some award show where she like presented after this came out and i felt that she was um really condescending in that Mm. but i've also seen her just on like in videos and stuff, just being herself. Yeah. And I think she seems like she's a pretty just decent person. No, absolutely. I, I have nothing against her as a person necessarily. It's um and this isn't even one of those like fucking like anti-SJW like type things that I'm talking about. It's like I I have no problem. Like and I think actually she's been really mistreated. So I get why she comes off sometimes maybe why the why she does it's because like you know there's that whole crowd that just like hated the idea that this female superhero was, you know, um, and then like some things were valid criticisms of that movie and some things were not at all. It's just people that hate women. Right. Um, I'm just saying she's not a very good actress. That's all I'm saying. Like, um, and I that's agree. different from saying that she's a terrible person or, you know, that the character shouldn't exist or anything like that. I just don't think she's a great actress. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. I mean, I think that if you, I guess maybe if you don't really like know the Marvel universe, then you could be a little annoyed that and feel like it's being shoehorned in. But I mean, this isn't a character that's been around for oh yeah, right. like forty years now or something. Sure. So yeah. And honestly, if you're so bigoted that you can't get over that point, like it's say say the fuck out of the movies anyway. Right. Yeah. There's a bunch of left behind movies for you to pick up on. So. <laughs> and not the Nick. Not the right, yeah. Kirk Cameron. Okay. Um, so right. that's our episode for the night. Uh, thank you all for listening. We I think we got some good stuff coming up for the rest of the year. Um, and I hope you enjoyed tonight. Yeah, it was uh it was fun. I like doing these lists, so yeah. hopefully in six months or so when everything film wise opens back up, we can do like another addendum so I can talk about the stuff that I really wanted to talk about. Okay. Yeah, sounds good. All right. Have a good night, everybody. Have a good night.